Before we get to this episode, just to say thanks to everyone who's bought my new book, Champion Thinking, How to Find Success Without Losing Yourself. Published by Bloomsbury, the response has been terrific. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's been top 20 in the airport charts consistently, and the reviews have been terrific right across the board. And if you like this episode that you're about to hear on Flow, you'll be sure to enjoy Champion Thinking. Head to my website, simonmundy.com or Amazon, Waterstone, Smiths, places like that to get your copy. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to what is a bit of a different episode of Life Lessons from Sports and Beyond. This is a careers special recorded to mark National Careers Week. My guest is Helen Tupper, who hosts the Squiggly Careers podcast, along with Sarah Ellis. They've also written two best-selling books, The Squiggly Career, and their cracking new book is called You Coach You, and it's about giving people the tools to become their own careers coach. Helen and Sarah are also founders of the award-winning company Amazing If, through which they lead workshops across the world to help people navigate and take ownership of their careers with confidence. In this episode, we get a taste of the work they do by discussing the five key skills they've identified that people need to be able to thrive in a squiggly career. But I began by asking Helen, what exactly is a squiggly career? So I guess it's more of a concept than anything else, really. It's the idea that careers are full of change and uncertainty and opportunity and possibility at the same time. And the squiggliness means that we can develop in different directions. There's no one size fits all version of success. You know, your squiggle is as individual as you are and, and so is mine. And that's fine. And I guess it is the opposite of the idea of the career ladder or the staircase because that is predictable linear there's a good path to take and there's a right way to do it and there's one destination on the ladder which is to progressively get more senior and that's stuck around for a really really long time and and squiggly is the antithesis of that and we believe that if we can start to embrace squiggly careers as the new normal more people can succeed at work in a way that's reflective of what they want from work, not what other people think they should do or what was right a long time ago. I watched your TED Talk with your business partner, Sarah, which I thought was very good, by the way. And Sarah came out with a really interesting view of 
the career ladder, explaining that it was this concept that was conceived of in the early 1900s and it's still hanging around today and we're still feeling the remnants of it. And I thought it was really nice. Would you mind just elaborating a little bit on this idea of of the career ladder and how it is outdated? Yeah, so it was really about um, control and conformity. So it, it came around uh, sort of early office work, 1900s, big growth in lots of people working in a similar place in a similar way. And early management theory was this is a good way to manage and motivate people. And in a predictable world where people were doing the same things, perhaps it was, perhaps it was. Um, Human beings like clarity, they like certainty and work was quite controllable. So the ladder was sort of fit for that, that time. But it has stuck around and become so embedded in the way that organisations are structured, the, the hierarchies, the way that we make people managers, even if they don't really want to manage people. We, we make them managers so that yeah. they've got another step on the ladder. Yeah. And then you're, you're sort of left with this situation of people who don't really like managing people and perhaps aren't that good at it, managing other people's careers. And it, but it all, it all starts to really get this ladder gets unstuck pretty quickly when you when you try to force fit it onto a world of work that's full of change, um, because it forces people to only develop in one direction and work isn't predictable and it's not linear. And it also makes people quite dependent on, well, there has to be an opportunity that I have to wait for. You know, I have to sit and stay on this step on the ladder until the next step emerges and they can stagnate, they can get demotivated, they miss other opportunities that they could do at the same time. So I actually think it makes people quite vulnerable because while they're stuck on a ladder waiting for something to happen, all of that change is going on around them. The World Economic Forum talks about the pace of change in terms of our skill set. And to be ready for that change, you need to proactively invest in your skills. But people who are stuck on a ladder waiting for an opportunity aren't really doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think the ladder starts to hold more people back than it really helps to move forward, which is why we are so passionate about like, let go of the ladder mm-hmm. and organisations help people develop in different directions. There's another stat I heard, remember, from your TED Talk, which I found interesting about the number of times people change their types of career these days and how much higher it is than previous generations. Yeah, there's some research that says we're going to have five different types of career in our lifetime. So it's not, you know, people think, oh, how many different jobs am I going to do? But those jobs could still be in the same profession. But actually, the number of career changes where you are switching, you know, I, if I look at my career, I've done um, part of my career in sales, I've done part of my career in marketing. Uh, I now run my own business. I'm probably on my second or, or third career. And I think the average length of a career is 47 years. I'm probably about 20 years into my career now. So I've, I've still got a few changes. But I think when you are open to that, you are kind of ready for it. You're having more curious career conversations. I'm not trying to attach myself just to the identity that I've got today. Yes, I think that's a really good point. So if just being open to it and then accepting a degree of uncertainty within careers, within the working life, which is part and parcel of of work these days, then that will give you a, a bit of confidence reassurance or bravery perhaps yeah we talk about if you want to succeed in a squiggly career whatever success means to you there are two things that are fundamental there's the mindset which is your point there about accepting it like accepting this as the new reality and being open to what opportunities that brings and then there's the skill set that it's not quite enough to go okay I'm going to embrace squiggly and that's it I'm going to go have my brilliant career because there are a certain set of skills that help you to then move forward. Without those skills, sometimes you can feel a bit lost and squiggly because 
you know, it is, it is a lot of change. It is a lot of uncertainty and you don't know what to do with it. And so we do want the two things. We want the mindset and we want the skill set. OK, so mindset is accept that work is squiggly, not linear. Talk me through the skill set. Talk me through the skill set, yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, in our, so I guess our day-to-day business, we run lots of different training programs. We've trained, oh, I think, over 100,000 people now. And so we have what we believe are the five core skills that can help the vast majority of people. They're not the only skills, but we think these are, these, this is where you get started with Squiggly to help yourself. Um, so the first one is all about values. If you want to have a career as individual as you are, you've got to know what really motivates and drives you. Because when you have that awareness of yourself, it helps you to make braver choices. So let's say you're my manager and you're like, Helen, you should go do that job over there. And I think, wow, it does look quite a cool job. It's got quite a good job title. It's going to look good. It's going to give me space. It's going to look great on my LinkedIn profile, that job. Um, Unless really that job aligns with the things that I really value, the things that motivate and drive me, I'm going to do that job and I might feel quite special for about a week, but then I'm not going to be particularly happy in it. Mm -hmm. And what we need to do is sort of (laughs) detach ourselves from the shiny objects, which are very appealing, and attach ourselves to our values and use our values as a filter for our future. So the first skill is like, working out what your values are and using them as a filter for your future. So that's skill number one. So I talk about values a lot. I think they're absolutely fundamental. And you mentioned about working out what your values are. If someone said to you, okay, how do I work out what my values are? What would be your response? The first thing that I would say would be to do what we call like a career graph exercise. And it's going to take about half an hour to do it, to do it properly. But what you want to do is sort of look back on your career in order to give you the insights to move forward. So literally, wherever your career started, like wherever you consider it started, um, do a graph um, and you're going to have anything sort of above above a line is when you're really, really happy and engaged at work and anything sort of below the line is where you felt disengaged, demotivated for whatever reason. And you're just going to track your career. So the first thing you're going to do is just almost draw your career out as a series of highs and lows and just talk it through. So, you know, I started out on this, you know, my career started out in the Boots Graduate Scheme and that would be above the line. I was really happy because I did it with a community of like really positive grads who were, you know, connection and keenness, connection and keenness. And then I got a bit disillusioned because I wasn't developing enough. And anyway, you know, you'll have your own highs and lows. So the first thing you want to do is just chart your career journey. And then you want to go back to the peaks the, you know, those high highs and those lower lows and, and really probe those points in time. Who was I working with? What was I working on? Why was I feeling like that? Because your values, when you're conscious of them, you can use them really intentionally. So now I know what my values are. I can use them to inform my future. But just because you're not conscious of them doesn't mean they weren't informing what you were thinking, doing and feeling. We just need to mine some of that data from your past for your development now. So probe those points in time and see what the consistencies are. They are they are clues that are just sat there in your past. And so, for example, when I look back, a lot of my highest highs are always when I've had a lot of freedom. I've had the chance to start something from scratch. I've been working with really high energy teams. Um, and a lot of my lower lows have been when I felt sort of micromanaged or I've been working in quite a low energy processy kind of environment. And the consistency in my clues when I look back is all around freedom, energy, growth and achievement. They are my values and I can see them when I've been so happy in my work and when I've been unhappy, it's been those things that we're missing. And everyone's career 
can tell them a story, but you just have to take the time to explore it. It's a really good exercise as well to do with somebody else or to do in teams. You find out so much about like what really energizes people, what motivates them. And that's that's great for them individually, but it's also really powerful insight collectively when you know that about your colleagues. For me, the reason I love value so much is one of the things that can be uncomfortable about a school career is that it is uncertain and that you don't always feel like you have that control. But for me, values, knowing my values gives me back control because I think of it as like a career compass that even though I don't know where my career is going to go or, you know, what I'm going to be working on or who I'm going to be working with, if I have my values at the core of it and I make decisions that are in line with my values, then I do have some of that control back. And so I let go of the ladder and all of the predictability that that represented, but I hold on very tight to my values because that's the control I can have for myself. So values is one. Yes, values is one. The second one is strengths. And the thing that I find really interesting about strengths, uh, and I I have made this mistake in my career, is sort of how you frame and define it. Um, So I used to think a lot that strengths were like the stuff that we're good at, you know, the things that you're great at. Uh, And I sort of evolved my understanding of strengths because actually there's a lot of things that we are all good at in our jobs. We've learned to be good at lots of different things, but not all of that stuff gives us energy. And not all of that stuff is what we want to be known for. And so I think you have to go beyond just strengths are a list of things that I'm good at. And I think you have to get into, but ultimately, what is the work that I do that gives me energy? And what do I really want to be known for? And that will be a much shorter list of things. But that's good because we really want to focus on what gives you energy and what do you want to be known for? Because if you can overinvest in those things, if you can make those strengths stand out, you will get matched to more opportunities that need those things that you want to be known for that give you energy. You will also not get matched for some of the other things that you're averagely good at. But fine, let someone else get matched for that stuff. Let's make you specifically attracted to opportunities that need the things that give you energy you want to be known for so having that understanding about yourself and I think the second thing around strengths is just being aware of the difference between your intent that stuff you want to be known for and your impact the things that you actually are known for and just managing that balance what we really want for people is their intent what they want to be known for and their impact what people experience when we work with them we want that to be aligned that's brilliant But if there's a bit of a gap, then that's something that we have to try and sort out. We have to look at our roles, look at how our strengths are showing up to close that gap. Okay. So when you talk about gives energy, so Mm. energising, is that almost another way of saying something that makes your heart sing? Yeah, yeah, something that makes your heart sing, something that uh, you you do that thing and you kind of have more energy after it. I'll I'll give you an example. So I started my business now, Amazing Gift, as a side project when I worked at Virgin. And I was doing quite a busy job at Virgin. I was launching a new business for Virgin. And I think I just had my first child, Henry. And so quite a lot going on in my life. I think I'd also started an MBA. (laughs) It was a a bit of an energy. uh, There was a lot of energy going into those things. And on top of that, I started this side project. So I'd trundle off at the end of a work day uh, and we'd run these career development sessions. And I remember of people saying like why are you doing that like why would you in you know spend even more energy going to do something else but the point was for me I got energy from doing that I would actually arrive at those things sometimes a bit tired like I'm not, you know the baby would have been up and work would have been hard and I would arrive a little bit tired thinking deep breath come on 
get get it together Helen you've got these people in the room that need your help tonight and I would go away from that room at like half past eight and I'd get on my train at nine o'clock going home and I would have so much more energy as a result of having done that thing and that's that's the insight it's the thing that you do that even though it takes your effort you come away from it with more energy than you went in and the thing with this is you don't even have to be great at it yet that's the thing with strengths we, we assume it's stuff that we're good at already but actually if it if it energizes you you can get good at it when I started to do those career development sessions I, I definitely wasn't great at it I'd never done that sort of stuff before I knew how to present but I was I was learning as I was going but that's fine I had the energy to to learn and that's 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 the thing that we're looking for really the the potential rather than kind of the the present skill set so yeah skill number two is all about your strengths making making those strengths stand out and making sure that your intent and your impact are aligned could you just quickly explain a little bit about intent and impact yeah of course so the intent is that that's the what I want to be known for that's me saying I want to be known for career development positive energy making things happen wherever you work with me this conversation listening to the podcast in my job that's what I want people to think that's what Helen's good at that's my intent you need to know that because that's that's you taking ownership for you and your career you've got to work out what do I want to be known for but then you've got to go and get some feedback we have to work out what is your actual impact because just because that's what I want doesn't mean that that's what people experience and I don't know whether those things are aligned or not unless I go and get some feedback so you really want to go and ask people when do you see me at my best or what are the strengths you see standing out what is your experience of working with me it's those sorts of questions we want them to be quite open questions because what we're trying to get back is that sort of data for our development and what you want to hear best case scenario is those words that are part of your intent play back to you in those comments that you get back from people it might not be exactly the same but in and around it and if you don't if you hear oh Helen I see at your best when you're in a spreadsheet or when you're managing a process I might think hmm hang on a minute I don't think you're seeing me at my best I think you're seeing me do a job that might need to be done but perhaps not the job that I want to do and what can I do differently so the strengths that I want to be known for are the ones that are standing out so speak to enough people so you get a broad image and then if you can find the cross-section of intent and impact bingo and this reminds me of something I read in your book is Bruce isn't it yes when you were prepping your TED talk and you sent him over version one he was like this is boring you're not boring sort it out and I think sometimes we can shy away from feedback that can be tough to hear and I imagine you know your first visceral gut reaction to hear that message from Bruce was probably like ouch but that's so valuable I often go to the work of Kim Scott on radical candor and so she says that you know radical candor is really valuable feedback and you get that when someone cares personally and they challenge directly so if someone challenges you directly and they don't care personally about you what she frames that as obnoxious aggression well that's not great that's just someone being like I've got a right to tell you what I think and I'm going to do it good for you but not necessarily very good for me um when someone cares personally about you so they know what you're focused on they know what you want to achieve they want you to do well and they are willing to challenge you directly, that's radical candor. And for me, that's what Bruce does. Yes, he gives it to us straight uh, without pulling his punches, but he does it because he cares personally. Yeah. And I think it's, it's that distinction. It's not someone just telling you stuff that they think because they think they can. It's that they do it because they want you to be at your best and they believe sure. you can be at your best. Okay, so we've done that. Number three? On to number three, which is all about confidence. Uh, and confidence, the reason this is important, because honestly, everything else is quite a lot of self-awareness, but you risk 
it not converting into action if you've not got self-belief. So we really have to help people with the confidence to take action. And I have seen uh, as a result of COVID the pandemic, actually confidence being really hit, really, really hit. And there's research to show that women have been affected more uh, in terms of their self-confidence during the pandemic. But broadly speaking, people's confidence has taken a dip. And, I, and I've looked into kind of why this is. Um, and apparently in the workplace, we had more social cues that reinforced our confidence. So a sort of we're in person, yeah. someone's going, that was really good today, Helen. Well done. Oh, I loved your presentation. That was a really good email or whatever. Whatever that kind of informal feedback that we were getting that gave us a sense that we were, we were doing well, uh, it was going well. We've had less of that. And so what happens in when we don't have that insight is we maybe create our own stories, that self-doubt starts to grow, we lose some of our, our, our confidence in ourselves. And so in order to take action, we have to build our self-belief. And there's, there's, there's lots to that. The main things that we talk to people about are understanding, first of all, that everyone has some kind of confidence gremlin, that this isn't you on your own. Um, and confidence gremlins range from, you know, a need to be liked um, a fear of failure, feeling like you don't know enough, you're going to get found out. There's, there's so many, but first of all, knowing that everyone has, you have a yeah, confidence totally gremlin, I have a confidence gremlin, it's totally normal, you're not, you're not alone with it. But we do have to learn to cage those confidence gremlins because ultimately confidence gremlins are beliefs that hold you back um, and they're not helping you make the brave choices that are going to move you forward. Okay, confidence, moving on. Moving on. Number four, it's all around networking. Oh, I'll tell you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Networking. We define networking because a lot of people kind of have a bit of a Marmite reaction to it. Mm. And they're like, oh, skip on from this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go to awkward events and meet people I don't really yeah. want to know. We define networking as people helping people. So how do you build a community around your career? where the starting point really is how you help other people, not what help do you need. Um, in Adam Grant's work, he shows that givers get more. So when you start with what you've got to give, if I was thinking, well, how could I help Simon? What, what could I do that could help Simon? It's a much better starting point for our relationship than what do I want from Simon, mm -hmm. which can sometimes seem quite transactional and, and transparent. Um, people also like helping people. So if you are somebody who feels quite awkward about networking, often thinking about, well, who would I like to have in my career community and how could I help those people can feel like a more comfortable way of starting a relationship than how can I ask that person I don't know very well for something that I want from them. And we also talk about, as well as kind of go be a giver and there's people helping people, really think about the role you can play in a network. So for some people, they'll build relationships through almost being like a helpful consumer. So they'll be someone who likes reading about a particular topic. They'll have a deep subject matter expertise. So they'll consume some stuff, but they'll share it in a helpful way with others. So maybe they'll summarise a TED talk they've watched or a book they've read in a way that other people can get their takeaways. That can be a helpful way that you can, you can put that giving out into your relationships you can be a contributor so maybe I'm going to give you some of my time I'm like oh Simon's starting off a new podcast series I'm going to offer him a couple of hours a week to, to help out if that's useful or maybe you know your expertise or experience of an area you can contribute that to someone else you can be a connector that's another role you can play so maybe you know someone who could help someone else and you're generous enough to share the connection or you can even be someone who creates a network that could be the role you can play you can be the person that convenes other people together and I think recognizing that you can play different roles you don't all have to go to awkward events and talk to people that you don't really want to know you've just got to find a way to be helpful that feels authentic to you this was a part in your book actually that really stuck out for me around relationships how to maintain relationships so you had a number of suggestions in there send someone an article send them a podcast 
put two people in touch with each other, write a LinkedIn recommendation, give feedback to someone based on what their strengths are, send someone just a little voice note. That isn't what people might automatically think networking is. In your experience, can that really propel things forward? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it keeps people top of mind as well. It keeps people in mind. I think one of the things that I do most in my network is I take people with me as I go. So as I've sort of squiggled around in my career uh, from different organisations or things that I've been part of, I sort of bring them with me and I reconnect with them in those small ways. So like you say, that article or maybe an event that I'm going to that I think they might benefit from. Or recently I just finished this learning programme and I've, I've mentioned that to a few people. I'm like, I think this would be a really good fit for you. And it is, it is just being helpful. Let's move on. So what's the next one on the list? The fifth and final skill is all around career possibilities. Uh, and this is about you, you and your future. And it's about how you manage your future possibilities in the context of a squiggly career. So when we were climbing ladders, we had career plans, right? There was a document that said what job I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it and what, what skills that job's going to need. Um, and unfortunately, career plans aren't great for squiggly careers because, you know, those jobs are changing all the time. There's multiple yeah. jobs. They make us quite fixed. So we do still want a, a way, though, of exploring our, our career and career possibilities is, is the way of doing it. It is a skill. Um, and so there are lots of different tools that you can use so that you can be open to how you could develop in different directions. Uh, a couple of short things for, for listeners, for example, is um, we can talk about curious uh, coffee conversations and having that more as a habit. Like, who are you talking to this month purely to understand more about their career? and the work that they do. Just go and have a curious conversation with someone about a day in their life so that you understand the reality and you don't make assumptions about what a job is like or what a company is like. Um, And the other thing that we advise people to do is to explore multiple possibilities at the same time, so possibilities in parallel, like what's the obvious job, what feels ambitious, what's something that's maybe more of a pivot, and what's the dream. Don't discount any of those, just go and explore them. And through doing that, sometimes you rule a job in because you're like, wow, it does. Act. I thought it was going to be good and it sounds pretty amazing. And sometimes you rule a job out because you think, oh, I thought that was going to be really interesting. But actually, the things that give me energy back to my strengths are not what that job needs. So it might look perfect on paper, but I don't think it's a good fit for me. And that's that's a great insight to get to. Better to get to that insight through a curious conversation than to do the job and feel like it's not the right thing for you to be doing. Interesting. Interesting. Like it. it. Yeah, who wouldn't be up for that? Anyway, Helen, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on for this careers special. Are we now in the same network? Yes, we are. We certainly are. You're stuck with me for now. I'm like a limpet. (laughs) Helen, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you very much for listening to this careers special episode of Life Lessons from Sports and Beyond. If you want to learn more about Helen and Sarah's work, do check out the Squiggly Careers podcast and their brilliant new book is called You Coach You and their company is called Amazing If. I'll be back with another mini episode tomorrow. So until then, goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.